1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gather around the radio, folks. It is your Cougar preview show as BYU gets set for a showdown against, I was going to say mighty Houston, but I always say that in kind of a condescending term. Houston's actually really good. They're pretty They're pretty good. Yeah. They're pretty good. More film I watch on them, but the more I realize they're, they're pretty good. This is BYU's first true opportunity to show where they're number 14 and number 15 or number 14 number 13 in the polls whichever it is this is their first opportunity to show that they really belong there well, not really belong there but that should be there yeah yep this is going to be a tough game for them you know i was looking back at that utsa game and utsa did some things that really scrambled them and they were able to battle through some of that defense, and they were able to dial up 20 points, and they were able to slow that offense. Now, BYU did enough to shoot themselves in their own foot to slow themselves down enough, but UTSA showed a couple of things that you can get pressure. Not that they sacked the lights out of Zach. They only gave up, I think, one sack. Uh, I think so. Did but we- it was the consistent pressure that I think really – did BYU give up a registered sack? Uh, I, I think it was one. Here, hold on. I can pull up the numbers real quick. I know BYU had one sack against UTSA. That was Gabe Summers. But, and, 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 and regardless whether they did or didn't give up a registered sack, to your point, Scotty, they did pressure. They actually got to Zach and, and put some different pressures on. So... I think UTSA did some things that will probably help Houston understand what they can do against BYU. And then you had the fumble that, that took them out of three drives. Um, and I know one was the only turnover, but there were two other fumbles that took them out of drives on the fumbled pitch and another fumble in the second half. You had stupid penalties, a, a holding that was a drive killer that put them in a third and 15 and there was a lot of self-damage, but UTSA did things, and, and here's this, okay, so here's the troubling thing for me, Scotty. UTSA did things offensively that had some level of success, and I know it's only 20 points, but there were a couple of successful moments that ended without points, just like BYU had. Yeah. BYU had 480-some yards yeah. in that game that ended up with 27 points. Well, UTSA had some of that success without showing the points on the board. Where UTSA had that success, Houston does that, but they do it better. So that that worries me. When I'm talking about that, I'm talking about deep slants, deep skinny posts, speed at the wideouts that really force BYU to stay out of that 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 four down, trying to get the pressure with four down or, or bringing four every down. Houston does it better. So. Yeah. And they've got one receiver that I think is going to be a problem for BYU. It, not only is he the receiver, he's also 
the return man. His name is Marquez Stevenson. He had five catches for 118 yards. He had, well, let me see if I can find his return yardage because he had some really good returns. He had uh, eight returns for 108 yards. Uh, on Those are punt returns. Eight returns for 108 yards for, no, I'm sorry, that's Marquez Jones. Marquez yeah, Stevenson. Stevenson had, yeah. he, he had the one kick return for 97 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Marcus Jones had the eight returns for 108 yards. He's a good punt returner. Yeah, Stevenson, though, is averaging, well, I mean, he's played one game. So I see the number, then I keep forgetting that it's just one game. Yeah. Uh, but he had 223 all-purpose yards Yeah. in that game, as you mentioned. Uh, eight yards on the ground, 118 yards receiving, and 97 yards in kick returns. Now, he he made some big mistakes in this game, too. He put one ball on the ground it was, um, I believe it was just a, I, I think it was a, a deep slant. And he caught it perfectly, took a couple of steps, corner came over the top, raked the pocket, and he put the ball on the ground. And that was a big turnover for Houston in a crucial moment. So he'll do some big things, but he is prone to some mistakes. Definitely their best offensive player. And then I think their quarterback is their second best offensive player. Offensive line's decent. The offensive line's better than, at least their offensive line looks better than Texas San Antonio did. Yeah. And 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 this was a team that was, you know, BYU was averaging, what, four sacks a game coming into that game and only gave up one. Now, granted, BYU got some pressure, and, and those quarterbacks were always kind of looking to run and getting outside the pocket, so they're a tough group to, to get sacks on anyway. But – I think that that offensive line did a pretty good job, and Houston will do the same thing. They'll move their quarterback around a little bit uh, to try to keep him clean. Um, but BYU's got to be better in pressure. And you mentioned throughout the week, you bring that three-man that three man rush, and if you can get there with three, and not necessarily even get sacks, but if you can just make him uncomfortable with a three-man rush, then you're, you're on your way to a victory. But, but it also worries me a little bit because – this quarterback can get out pretty quick. Yeah. Because these receivers are pretty quick into their routes. And if that's the case, if he's – if he's, And it's hard to contain with a three-man rush. Really tough to contain. And that and that quarterback is good at, at getting out of the pocket, can extend drives. And, and I, I, we can't overlook their running game. No. Houston's not terrible in their running game. They put up 157 yards rushing against – Tulane, and I know people can look at that and say it's Tulane. Tulane actually has a decent team, or at least yeah. it looked like they. And I might just. Well, if be you're a BYU to, fan, you can't look down on level of competition either. See, I, I and I'm I'm being serious when I say this. I I might be comparing it to the Conference USA teams that I've been watching because when I'm watching film, I'm watching a ton of Conference USA, and one in particular, that stupid Middle Tennessee State. I don't know how they <laughs> popped up on every single schedule that I had to watch, and usually I'm 20 plays in, and I'm like, how was this team is terrible? Oh, it's Middle Tennessee State again. Middle t- I don't, at least I don't have to do work Middle Tennessee State but film, but when I watch Tulane as the opponent against BYU's future opponent, I'm like, oh, Tulane's good, man. They, yeah. got a, they got a big that presses well in the middle. And they've got two interior – their two guards have a lot of push in the middle. And – the teams that I've watched compete against the teams BYU was getting ready for had none of that. And Houston handled it well. 
Houston handles pressure well. Tulane got some pressure, Scotty, and they handle that well, especially in the second half of that game. Well, remember, uh, Tulane got out to a big lead. It was like 24-7. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, um, uh, excuse me, Houston just comes roaring back. Yeah, and those, ends up winning at 41-31. And those Tulane points, as we pointed out yesterday, 14 of those Tulane points came in the first five minutes of that game yeah. from a pick six and a fumble recovery in the end zone. So 14 points by that Tulane defense in the first five minutes of that game. Actually, the first three minutes of that game. Uh, Clayton Toon threw for 319 yards, two touchdowns. You did mention the interceptions. He, he was picked off twice in that game, but – Overall, this is the best quarterback you've seen so far. Yeah. By a country mile. By a country mile. And he's kind of a dual threat, even though he really does look to throw first. What's weird, Scotty, is is I can typically identify a zone read pull opportunities, but I'm seeing him pull on what looks to be designed man runs off the backside. Okay. Interesting. So I don't know if he's just kind of given freedom and, and, and I don't know if the running backs are, are made aware that he could pull because defenses start to creep. But he will pull the ball from the running back, and, and he'll, hit the, he'll hit the backside edge. He did that quite a bit against Tulane. It, it hurt Tulane. Where BYU, I think, is going to be better than Tulane, I think BYU's linebacking core is better than Tulane's linebacking core. When I watched Tulane, I felt like that was their weak spot, was their linebackers. That's BYU's strong spot, is that group of linebackers that they put out there. That's a, it's a complete and it's a deep it's a deep deep position group for BYU, which could be helpful against Houston, unless Houston continues to force them to drop out of coverage, and doesn't allow them to be the attackers, the downhill attackers. Yeah. They're downhill attackers. They'll hold Houston to 100 yards rushing. Houston's still going to put up 250, 280 yards passing. That's just going to happen. And you got to try to mitigate the scoring in the in the red zone. Try to own the clock offensively if you can. But I think it's going to be a fun game. BYU fans are in for a treat. It's going to be a fun game. Their offense is pretty high flying. Uh, the other thing that I think is going to be really interesting to see is BYU for the first time this year is going to play in front of fans. And I don't think it like I don't think there's enough fans there to really impact things, but there's going to be a little bit more juice at that game. It'll be there for Houston, it'll be there for BYU. You're absolutely right. That's going to be it'll be fun to see on TV BYU in front of fans and to kind of feel the energy again. Yeah. Cuz the four teams and and four games that they've played is it's had low moments. Is it 25%? I'm not sure exactly how many they're letting in there. I think it is 25%. And Probably about five, 6,000 in there. Uh, and it probably will be about as many BYU fans as Houston fans. Could be split. If, if BYU, now, Houston, with a limited amount of tickets, can be like, we're not giving any to BYU. I mean, you've got to give them some. But but you're giving most to your season but you, tickets. Yeah. Do you have, you, you've got a lot of, what, yeah. like 300, 200? Uh, it'll be a percentage base, you know, so if – if Houston's going to be pretty stingy with that. Yeah, I, I would. Absolutely, I would. Because right. you know, in well, anywhere BYU goes, there's going to be a demand for tickets. Yeah, but BYU Houston fans. in particular. But Houston in particular, yeah, absolutely. They could Houston BYU fans could make a real impression in that stadium if it was a full entry. BYU fans would be very recognizable in there. 
But either way, just the, the energy. I think BYU is going to do really well with it. I do too. I think it works. It'll work in their favor. It's something that they've, you know, look, they haven't had it at any point this year. Mm-hmm. The other thing, after game one, you're much more sore and tired than you are after game four. Does yeah. that? I I, I, I want I want to kind of explain that. So Houston had their first game last weekend. Yep. And today their body is filling game one because it hasn't adjusted to the, the game hits. And it'll be a short week for them, too. And it, and it, right, because it's a Friday night game. BYU has had the four games, and, and so your body adjusts to the beating, but it's not worn out by the beating by the back end of the season. Yeah. So a four-game positioning. Might be the sweet spot. It's kind of the sweet spot. It's like, okay, finally, I'm not hurting for three days, and I'm into practice, and all the lactic acids are out of those muscles and those joints that were hurting because of all the unique explosion and the, the larger steps that you're taking and the harder hits that you're dropping and the, the way you're bending your neck when you're coming across on tackles. and Your body adjusts to that impact after the four-week period where after your first game, I'm sure Houston is just starting to get the kinks out, right? Today will be yeah. the first day they're feeling a little bit better and they've already had the one day in pads. They'll put the pads on today. And things will start to feel a little bit better. But they're going to be more, a little more raw, I think, in this game than BYU. Kalani did mention, too, though, you look at Houston, and he threw out the old adage, and I don't know if it's just coach speak or if there's a lot of, or if there's truth to it. He goes, remember, teams make their biggest jump from week one to week two. Yeah, you, you can definitely see that, but I don't, I don't think that'll be the case here. Well, I, well Houston could. As far could, as improvement goes. Yeah, Houston could play Cause it took, two second halves. Yeah. Because it took, it took a quarter and a half for Houston to wake up in that game. It did, before they stopped fumbling and giving up defensive touchdowns. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Scotty, is Dana Holgerson. Is that the head coach? Yeah. Dana Holgerson yesterday announced that 15 to 20 guys are out. Well, at that, he didn't mention in terms of Friday, but he did say in terms of practice yesterday that he had, uh, I think, I can't remember the exact Short phrasing. Short-term? But he goes, yeah, and he wouldn't say if it was COVID. He would just say for various short-term reasons, uh, he had anywhere from, I think he said 15 to 20 that were out of practice. He didn't list who. He didn't list uh, what position groups or anything like that. He didn't say if it was COVID or just nicks and bruises. But he said the good news is it's not long-term. The bad news is I'm not sure who we can get back on Friday. And that where the short week hurts them too if they're dealing with some injuries. Or positive tests. Not that they could get them back if they had a positive. Yeah. Or contact tracing. But it did kind of give you a COVID vibe to it. I was worried yesterday that we were going to get an announcement of a, yeah. of a cancellation. And we just got an announcement of a NCAA cancellation. A big one. LSU and Florida yeah. have canceled their game for this weekend, and it looks like they're going to move it back to December 12th. Correct. So I thought yesterday with the announcement of 15 to 20 guys out for Houston, I thought, oh, man, BYU's going to take another shot here. The hard thing for Houston and the good news for BYU is if BYU beats Houston with 15 or 20 guys off the field, the poll makers are still going to look at that and be like, that's Houston. Yeah. You know, they put up basically they, 40 points. Yeah, they're not going to look at the individual storylines. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, Hans and Scotty here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network as we continue on with your Cougar preview show. Mark Winters is with us once again. And, uh, Mark, uh, the forever warranty is just – it's incredible. 
it's a, such a great opportunity for so many people to really have that peace of mind, and it costs them nothing. Yeah. So when you uh, come in, you get a new car, used car. Almost all of them qualify for it. You get a menu or a, um, a mechanical warranty that is good forever. Uh, I feel like that kid in the in the Sandlot forever. Uh-huh. You know, it's, yeah. it's forever. It goes on forever as long as you own the car and unlimited miles. So, th- so if you got one hundred and fifty, two hundred and three hundred thousand miles on it, and you still own the car. You bring it here, we'll take care of it. If it's covered on that warranty, you're good to go. That really brings a lot of peace of mind. And I gotta tell you something too. Here's something that's kind of amazing. Um, there's some other real benefits to to joining the Tim Daly Nissan. Uh, uh, family, if you will. If you go over and you you like and share our Facebook page, we've got service specials on there to save you when you have to do regular maintenance, like oil changes. We have a, a lifetime, or no, it's a it's a one year maintenance, and I think it's about the cost of an oil change and a half, and it takes care of you for the year. And that so includes your oil changes and your rotations. Oil rotations. We wash the car, MPI inspections, the whole business. So mm. it really gives you a lot. And all that stuff is right there on our social media, Facebook. Just all you got to do is pull it up and show them on your phone. They'll, they'll honor it. It's really good. And uh, we also have, you know, worry-free sanitize. So we'll sanitize the car for you. And, of course, we still practice all of our social distancing here. You see we've got all the partitions on the tables and everybody wear ma- wears masks. You know, we're still very, very cognizant of what's going on, and, and we want to make you happy, not only while you're here, but also for the whole time you own your car with Tim Daly. Because with that forever warranty, you're going to be around for a while. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get to know you real well. No, uh-huh. I hope not, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got seven models with 0% financing, include the Titan, where you can extend that to 84 months. 84 months, 0% interest. That's free money. Saves you six, seven, eight thousand dollars $8,000 just in finance fees. It's I mean, a no-brainer. Come yeah. down here. Uh, if you've had your eyes on a Titan for years, like I have, uh, <laughs> now is the time to take advantage of that 0% financing. Forever warranty. You throw all that in together with the uh, worry-free uh, sanitize. I mean, it's it's it, you'd be foolish to go anywhere else. Tim Daly, Nissan in Murray, 4500 South State Street, right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. PK, you left us with a heck of a tease. The yeah. reason you still have hope, despite a lackluster 27-20 BYU victory. Number one, number two and three for that matter, Zach Wilson, because I think he's sensational. I thought he was pretty good on Saturday. Wasn't his best, but nobody's expected to play their best every time. It just doesn't work that way. It's the way you judge quarterbacks is when things aren't going well. What do you do then? And we got a taste of it, and I thought Wilson passed the test as far as everything wasn't drawn up perfectly. Plus, I also have a ton of confidence in the Grime Dog and A-Rod. So I expect a much better effort Friday, and they're going to need it. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hanson Scotty here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network counting you down to BYU and Houston. Joining us now from the Houston Chronicle, Joseph Duarte uh, on the T-Mobile special guest line. Uh, Joseph, how are you? Hey, Joseph. Hey, good afternoon. 
So how much do you know about this team after one game? <laughs> uh, a lot more than we did the day before. Uh, you know, Houston had just an odd story to the, the college football season. Everyone has uh, from coast to coast. But, you know, this is a team that had five games affected uh, due to the, the pandemic. Three games canceled in the span of 11 days between Memphis, Baylor, and North Texas. So uh, from the start of camp to now, or the, that first game, 53 days that they wow. waited to play a game. But uh, to answer your question, uh, you know, we knew things would be better uh, on defense, and they uh, they certainly were shutting down Tulane's rushing game. And then the other question was how the, the young quarterback, Clayton Toon, will look. And if you take away those two turnovers uh, in the first, you know, quarter, uh, he looked pretty good after that. He settled down, didn't get rattled. So uh, there's still a lot to, to learn, but, uh, you know, they couldn't have asked for a better final three-quarters of that opener. So yesterday we got a, a, an announcement from Dana Holgerson basically saying he's got 15 to 20 guys on short-term situation. Enlighten us on that, Joseph. What's going on with the players, and are we still not out of the clear with a possible cancellation? No, it, it has nothing to do with COVID. And, you know, Houston was the first school back in June that had to shut down voluntary workouts because of an outbreak. And, you know, there was a lot that went into that. They did not test players as they arrived on campus, but they sort of learned uh, as they went along, got things in place, the protocols, all the testing that the American does. And they haven't had a COVID problem uh, for months. So this is more of a nicks and bruises. You know, they had a starting safety go out three plays into the game. They had a uh, co-starting running back leave uh, second half. They had a... Uh, another safety get hurt in the second half. So it's stuff like that. It's ankles and knees and shoulders, that kind of stuff. And what it does is Houston, because of the time off and the delays that they had, they never got into sort of a routine where they were going into a true game week of preparation. Now they've gone from one game to the next, and it kind of caught up to them. Dana Holgerson said he, they're just not in shape like they should be because of how they had to slow things down just to keep – keep them interested during that long layoff. So really no no threat of the cancellation as of now. It's, it's simply uh, more muscles and, and, and bones and that sort of stuff uh, instead of COVID. Kind of shows you where we're at in a sports society where you hear uh, players being out and you immediately go to COVID. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and, and I know that's the concern for all of us right now. But with that said, uh, you know, health-wise, where do you think they'll be at on Friday? Well, <laughs> That's 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 kind of where he was going with it yesterday. He, he his last line was, "I don't know who's going to be available." I, I would think that the running back uh, Carr, who's kind of their their bruiser guy, who who gets the the, the tough tackling type, gets the yards after uh, contact. He he should be back. I don't think the safety Anderson, who's uh, at free safety, will be back. But again, it's uh, they're very uh, close. Uh, you know, kept on the uh, on the injury situation, so we really won't have an idea. But uh, among the guys that are that are hurt, there aren't many from the two deep. So we're looking more at backups and uh, down the line. But you know, those the three that we mentioned are the ones that are uh, that are on the two deep that that would be of concern. But I, I I would think for the most part they should be you know about as good as they can expect uh, for the second game uh, come Friday. 
when I was watching film, Moldbaugh Carr, he stood out to me. And, and uh, I know you just mentioned him right there, but he had two touchdowns, power back, can get you those yards. Uh, he's got an interesting backstory, doesn't he? What's his What's his kind of backstory? He is. Uh, you know, he, he was recruited and, and he went to high school in the Austin, Texas area. But before that, his, his family fled uh, war-torn uh, Liberia. And they, uh, they ended up uh, in a, uh, like a refugee camp, and they won a lottery system that allowed them to come to the United States. And he was, he was placed in Texas with his mother and his sister. And the summer before he arrived at Houston, he went through the naturalization process and became an American citizen. And uh, it's so a fascinating cool. story just what he went through. Uh, you know, this was a, a kid at a young age that was kind of, you know, in the streets, you know, looking for food or, or, or looking for help, you know, to support his family. So, so to, to be where he's at, a, an incredible story. And he was one of the 35 or so that redshirt last year and only uh, played in the four games uh, with what they did. A lot, a lot of guys like the Derek King who went to Miami got the most headlines on that. But, but Mobile Carr was one. He was probably their best running back at the end before they decided to shut him down. But really soft-spoken kid, been through a lot, but it's a, a tremendous uh, kind of, you know, what this country stands for and, and the mm-hmm. second chances and, and the opportunity opportunity that he's gotten here. How upset are Houston fans over the De'Aaron King thing? Uh, you know, I think they've gotten over it. I think it bothers them when they're watching the Tulane opener on ESPN and yeah. every five minutes there's a promo to the Clemson-Miami game. And you see, uh, you see De'Eric King's photo on, on the TV. But they moved on. It's, it's one of those they, they couldn't fault him. And, and that was just a, an odd situation of how it went down uh, last September. You know, they were off to a one-and-three start. Holgerson had, had mentioned that they were going to try to redshirt some guys. And, and he even joked that, oh, but De'Eric King's probably not one of them. And De'Eric King ended up being the one uh, that everybody was uh, – interested in the following and, you know, whether Houston tanked the season. But, uh, you know, he was watching the championship game in January and decided I need to go somewhere else. But the kid has been through everything. His mother was diagnosed with cancer. His father died uh, a few months after he left to uh, to Miami. So I think at this point, you know, people are, are pretty much wishing him good luck. He was a he was a standout player for Houston his, his year and uh, – 2018 when he had 50 total touchdowns uh, that was just an incredible performance for him and he still you know missed the last two games and didn't get a chance at breaking the uh the single season record but uh you know they've moved on well i was watching some of the defensive film of this houston team against Tulane, the only game we got there there are a couple guys that can get to the ball i was really impressed by peyton turner uh, I, I thought not only was he fantastic into the uh, into the passing pocket, he was great in the backfield in the run game, causing all kinds of problems. And then the other guy that stood out to me was uh, Nunry. And I, and I don't know if if Manny is uh, I don't know if he's the predominant starter. I, I don't know what his story is, but it looked like a team that could get to a quarterback. Well, on Nunry, he plays behind Grant Stewart, who's there leading tackler from last year. But that position, the way that they're, they're playing it this year, uh, it's designed to, to be up closer, uh, to be you know in the mix there. Instead of having Seward was kind of running all around last year. Um, 
But to answer the first part, Peyton Turner is is just a, as they were describing him this past week, a beast. Uh, Holgerson called him the best player on the field in the two lane game. He's six six, about two fifty, two sixty, and he played with four broken fingers last year. So he got to the quarterback twelve times, but only had four sacks to show for it because he couldn't grab the guy. He mm. couldn't actually get a grip on it to bring the quarterback down. So he's healthy. Uh, and you show he showed what he could do in the open. He had two sacks, four and a half tackles for loss. Uh, they had to switch left tackles uh, midway through because the, the starter got hurt, and uh, he was just blowing by the uh, the, the backup left tackle and, and causing problems all all evening. And and back on on Nunnery, you know they're gonna they're gonna alternate a lot of guys in. This was this was a totally revamped Houston defense. It was really bad the last few years. And Holgerson joked this week they're the number one defense in the nation right now. I know it's only one game, but statistically <laughs> they're they're one in total, they're two in passing and three in rushing. And then he prefaced it by saying, but yeah, we got the number one offense in BYU coming into town. So uh, he's he's not sure how long he'll get to keep that title, so he wanted to say it uh, sooner rather than later. But this is a totally different defense. They did not get to the quarterback last year. They did not get any pressure whatsoever. And to come out of that first game the way that they did – uh, there's a lot that they're they're really optimistic about. You talk about Dana Holgerson, and we talk about that up-and-down career he had in, in West Virginia. He resigns to take the job there at Houston, 4-8 and eight last year, but everybody knew, I kind of anticipated, that he had some heavy lifting to do in year number one. What's overall the general vibe with Houston fans on that coach, and, and where's his approval numbers, I guess, if you since it's election season? <laughs> Well, in the, yeah, in the spirit of the election, he, he's probably polling somewhere in that 60% range, I would think. So he's not terrible. I think there's a lot of people that are still waiting for the jury to come back on it because, one, just a few years ago, Houston was in that Power 5 discussion with when the Big 12 and BYU was in it and Memphis was in it and Cincinnati about possibly joining that league. And Houston had come off a New Year's Six Bowl win against Florida State. So they were really on the up. And then when they, they lost Tom Herman to Texas and Major Applewhite came in, that really just took the air out of it. So they went out and knew that they needed to make a big splash. They're paying Dana Holgerson like a Power Five coach. He's making $4 million a year, which is unheard of money at the University of Houston. They gave his assistants a $4.2 million salary pool. So they're wow. all in on this guy. And, you know, year one, they, they, they figured that they were going to have to take their lumps. Year two, I don't know that a coach outside the NFL who's going to not get a pass uh, for this year, given everything that's going on with COVID. But then you get to, to year three, and, you know, and then he's, you know, he's got a five-year deal. So you've sort of got to see some, some type of improvement. And that's where they talk about games like Friday that can sort of – be the signature win that can be the one that helps get Houston back to prominence. And these are the games that they have to take advantage of because he's, he's totally revamped the system. He's come in and, and he took a lot of uh, criticism for all the red shirts they did last year and ultimately losing his star quarterback. So the, these next two years, especially next year will be key to him. I don't think there's as much pressure this year. You know, I had them, I think going, six and four or five and five when they had a 10 game schedule, they're down to nine now. So it's, it's really hard to, to start at that point, but uh, he, he's going to need in the next, you know, year plus to, uh, to show that, that this program is making significant progress. 
Joseph, what is the fan situation going to look like in uh, in in Houston this Friday? Yeah, they're going to have twenty five percent. That's what the the state is allowing right now, which will equal about ten thousand uh, inside the stadium. I think they announced about eighty five hundred uh, for the game. Which, if you're BYU, those fifteen hundred that didn't show up in Houston, I'm sure they would love to be having that in Provo. Uh, mm-hmm. with, with not having any any fans in the stands. But, yeah, that it's across the board, it's like that. You know, you have some of the biggest venues in, in college football in, in Texas with, with UT Austin and Texas A&M, but everybody is at 25% uh, for the foreseeable future. Well, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. should be a fun one, and uh, look forward to catching up with you next – or uh, coming up uh, down the line sometime. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Joseph. Joseph Duarte from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, kind enough to join us right here on the Zone Sports Network. So that kind of that assumed 25% that's in there. And the other thing I thought was interesting from that conversation was he said that the 15 to 20 guys that Dana was talking about had nothing to do Not with COVID. COVID. I, and, and I remember they uh, Houston took a little bit of a PR hit because they did not test players when they came back into town. They were just going to test for symptoms, mm-hmm. and, and they got beat up pretty good over that. They had a huge outbreak. There, but he said ever since then, Learned their they've, they've had it un- kept it under control. Yeah, so 15 to 20 guys, though, Scotty. It, that goes back to the first game pains that I was talking about. You come out of those first games and you, your your hips hurt, your torso hurts. I, I remember a lot of the pain was in my torso. Yeah. Uh, you know, your, your hips take a different level of abuse in, in your in kind of your, your frame, in your ribs and – there's muscles that are feeling pain that you haven't had feel that way until or since last season. And BYU, in that case, their bodies have already overcome it. They've gone through those pains, and their bodies have already overcome it. 1245, Hans and Scotty, we continue on. Your Cougar preview show uh, rolls on live here at Tim Daly, Nissan, and Murray here on the Zone Sports Network. Nothing else matters, fellas. Every day we go to work. Football is back, and the Zone Sports Network has you covered as the Cougars continue to bulldoze through their schedule and the Utes and Aggies get set for the start of their season. You got to go faster, faster. Nobody will bring you better coverage of your team than the Zone Sports Network. This is your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. Turn me up all day. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Ninety-seven five twelve eighty, the zone and the zone sports network. Hope you're all well. We continue on with your Cougar preview show. Right here on the zone. Inside the Cougar preview show, Scotty, we need to get to a special little segment. It's now time for Watching Watching the Watch Watch List list. with Hans Olsen and Scott Gerard. I always hesitate to do this because it's at risk of putting you in a bad mood. But a couple things that we a little house cleaning we need to take care of. James Impey was named to the Remington Trophy Award watch list, which apparently is a big cares about. No, a lot of people do. Uh, and Gunnar Romney was added to the 2020 Blitnikoff 
award watch list. You know what's interesting about these watch lists? A lot. Nothing. No, more than nothing. Okay. These are great. They got a name Look, to if, the award watch list. If MP wins it, that's awesome. If Gunnar Romney wins it, that's awesome. A watch list mean Jack and Squat. Which one was MP put and up Jack there? just left town. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Oh, yeah, of course. Remington Steel? No, the Remington Trophy. Which is a, it's a very, razor? No, it's a very prestigious trophy that's given to linemen. And you heard about that award until before today? Uh, many times. It's presented annually, annually to the most Don't outstanding. Don't poo-poo the award, okay? I'm not poo-pooing the award, Lloyd. You I'm, are poo-pooing, I'm poo-pooing the, the award. the watch list. It's presented. The watch list is poo-poo. It's presented to the country's best center. As a great philosopher once said, that's so poo-poo. Well, <laughs> no, they, he said, they. <laughs> so poo-poo. They, as in all those watch lists. <laughs> well, I, I am happy for James. I, I know we joke about it. Uh, no, there's it, nothing to be happy for. I'm happy. It's a watch list. Be happy for him if he wins it. But he was named to no. it. So what? Everybody's named to it. If you hike a ball between your legs, you're on the stupid Remington oh, list. Oh, I don't agree with that. I don't think that Houston center's on it. <laughs> Dude gets pushed all over the field. If they Now, now if he's named to it, then you got a point, Scotty. But you need to bring an example of, like, a guy that doesn't belong. Why do you guys do this? Because I think secretly you love it. I think you'd love to be up to no. date with who's watch on the watch lists. Watch lists are the dumbest thing that has ever been brought to the world of collegiate sports. So ever. you want you don't want to watch lists anymore. No, I want to watch less because of the watch lists. Oh, buddy, you just wait. You just wait. Why don't we just wait until the season's over and then hand out the award? Well, because they were just added to those lists today. I, yeah, but what good is that? They're on the list. Do do they get watched a little more closely when they're on the list? That's no, they you don't. Ask yourself. Stupid. They do get watched closer. Some guy out there is like, well, crap. I wasn't going to watch BYU tonight, but I got the uh, Barkowski watch list that I got to keep an eye on. Barkowski? You mean the Nagurski. <laughs> Whatever. Bronco Nagurski. Yeah, it does sound like you meant the Nagurski. Hey, did you? Can we? A- can we? We gotta find a just a position group or somebody that gets no love, and we have the Joe Schmuckatelli watch list. Like this uh, is a goal of mine is to create an award that nobody's ever heard of before, and then I start sending out press releases on watch lists and see how many dopey college SIDs start sending it out. Like, oh hey, our What's like the Joe Schmuckatelli best backup quarterback? And we start sending out watch lists, and I guarantee you some SID out there is going to flip it around and put it out as a press release. Oh, I don't believe that. How about the best walk-on that doesn't play? <laughs> the best assistant athletic trainer. <laughs> that's, a, that's random. That's digging. But I'm telling you, if a BYU or Utah State – Assistant trainer got named to it. We would mention it. You would mention it. <laughs> and Lloyd would play the dopey song. Hey, did you happen to take a look at the poll question I put out? Um, have you looked at the results on that? I have not. Okay, so I put out a poll question. Is because it about whole world news song? 
No. No, I, because I didn't want to confuse people. I put out a poll question, and I don't want you to look at it because I want to get a guess from you. Okay. I, I said, uh, uh, basically, I am a fan of, and I've got four entries, and I said, yeah, you've got to pick one. I know you're a fan of all, just needed to see where all the followers were. The, the, these were the four categories. NCAA football, NCAA basketball, NFL, and NBA. So essentially somebody's got to click on the one they're the biggest fan of. Oh, boy. You want to take a guess on percentages? um, I will say NCAA football got. You think they lead? I think they lead. Okay. And I think they got. um, You know what? I'm going to go like 40% NBA football. Or, or NCAA football, okay. sorry, NBA football. Um, I will go 25% college basketball. There's 65%. And I will go 65. I will go 20. Oh, I don't know. Hold on a sec. All right, I'm going to go 30 okay. college football. 95. No, no, no. I'm going backwards. Sorry. I'm starting all over again. 30 college football. I'm going to go 20 college basketball. I'm going to go 20 or uh, 20. Twenty five NFL. 30, 20, 25. What does that give me? 50. And then I'll go 25 NBA. Okay. So you're you're close on the basket the NCAA basketball distribution, the NFL distribution, the NBA distribution. You're just the, the percentages. Okay. Are off. Did Six, I get the right order? You did. Yes. Okay. Sixty-eight percent NCAA football. Wow. Sixty-eight. Now I know it's I know that's my Twitter followers. I would assume it'd be the same with your Twitter followers. Yeah, I would assume so. What what was the NBA is the lowest, right? Uh, NBA is actually at sixteen percent. I know, but what order is that? So NBA is second. Oh, really? NFL okay. is third. NCAA basketball. I thought you had NBA at, at second. At I 25%. think. Oh yeah, I did have. Yeah, I had NBA and NFL at twenty five percent. Twenty five percent. Yeah. So NBA is is at second. 16% NFL third at 10% and then college basketball at 6% 68% college football yeah is that just my my twitter no. base i think that's all of our twitter base i mean you and i have i mean you and i talk a lot of college football on this show because college football it really moves the meter here kind of rules and i think the NFL may have taken a backseat a bit with um you know, some of the stuff that's going on right now. NBA, probably, there's some people a little grumpy about things right now, may have taken a little bit of a backseat. Uh, but I would say in a normal year where there's, you know, no COVID, uh, the social unresting has, you know, it, you know isn't, isn't on the top of people's minds right now, I would say it would probably go NFL, all right, would go college football one, and I think it would go NBA two. And then NFL three. If David Locke released this exact same poll, ooh, that'd be interesting. That might be different. Uh, maybe I'll ask David because I'd like to see just the the differing <coughs> the differing Twitter followers. Like out of 
his whatever 30 or however many and out of my 20 or however many how many over overlap about how many different fan base kind of individuals out 16 percent is way low i i thought i thought that nba from a twitter poll from my account i thought nba would be at least 28 to 32 percent the minimum i thought nba would be 28 to 32 percent yeah but 16 percent so the guesses that you made the 25 percent nba 25 percent nfl I could see that. I'd almost gone 28, maybe 30% NBA, and maybe 20 to 22% NFL, somewhere in there. But it's close. Yeah. But I would have thought that that would make up close to 50, 55% of that base. And then the others would be grabbed by NCAA football, but then yeah. the 2% or so margin for NCAA basketball. But 68% of the 1,000 votes that have just come in seems pretty high. Yeah. People love their college football here. I would have always put college football number one as far as you and I doing a show because I think people come here for their college for their college football. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. You're you know, Big right. Show might be a little different. You know, Big Show, uh, you know, with, with Jake hosting the Jazz pre-half and post and the NBA daily assists and, and things like that, NBA, NBA number would be a little higher. With our show, maybe the exception of the three or four weeks that they're in the postseason. But even through NBA regular season, I think I'd still get these numbers. Yeah, I think you're right. But in that postseason window, maybe a boost. Yeah, I mean, if, we were to, if the Jazz are in the second round of the playoffs and, we, you know, it's May, I might uh, – that, that number might be a little different. But I think in October – we send out that poll, especially when the NBA is not starting again until January at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not fully surprising. So, with that being said, college football back in action too. That it's great, man. I'm I'm just glad that our state gets it all back. Yeah, glad we got another game coming up with BYU on Friday. I'm glad that this BYU Houston game hasn't hasn't been canceled. And according to our last guest, uh, guest, it, it is not going to be canceled. No. Even though there are 15 to 20 players that are out. Hans and Scotty here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Hour number four of the program next as we are live here at Tim Daly Nissan in Murray, 4500 South State Street, right here on the Zone Sports Network.